What is up? Welcome to Football Life Presents The Audible. I am your host, Randy Hammond, joined by my co-host, Matt Bushnell, back at it again with Free Agency Frenzy Part 2, Episode 51, uh, on this Tuesday, March 23rd. Matt Bushnell, quick, off the top of your head, who's the first professional athlete you think of that wore number 51? Dick Buckus. All right. You went football. Good for you. I have two baseball players in my head with 51, and it's Ichiro and my dad's all-time favorite player in Bernie Williams, all-time all, uh, all Yankee guy, obviously. And for some reason, my brain goes to <laughs> Super Bowl 51, where the Falcons blew a 28-3 lead. So, uh, sorry, Falcons fans. That's just what happens with my mind <laughs> when I think of the number 51. All right. Uh, we have a loaded free agency frenzy. Like I said, we're going to talk all things that we didn't get to talk about last week. Uh, we're have some Deshaun Watson news on the watch on him. And then we're going to talk about a little uh, GMing at the end of the show here. But, Matt, I want to pick up right where we left off last week so he's you know you watched the show last week we were being so nice to drew Brees. you know we were giving him a proper send-off you know congrats on your congrats on your retirement uh best of luck uh in nbc you know you're an all-time great first about hall of famer blah 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 in the middle of my spiel about drew Brees, something happens something amazing happens for the show uh and that is andy dalton the red rifle himself is became the starting quarterback of the Bears within minutes. And it was perfect timing because we were still alive. Uh, but we didn't really get to talk a ton about it. So I want to give you the floor here, Matt Bushnell. You are, are maybe our former resident Bears fan now. But uh, Andy Dalton, a one-year, $10 million contract, worth up to $14 million with incentives. Uh, and your, your GM and your coach seem to have committed to him as the starting quarterback. Man, this is quite the fall after ho- hoping for Russell Wilson – and settling for big number 14 in the Red Rifle. This is the proverbial kick in the nuts. I mean, you talk about everything that you did not want to happen. Andy Dalton was on my list of do not sign, don't want him, don't care. Whatever it was, I wanted nothing to do with Andy fucking Dalton. And not only did they dip their toe in that water, they signed him for 10 fucking million dollars. And the issue with this is, okay, so you told us last year, well, we need to give Mitch Trubisky some competition. So let's trade a fourth rounder, restructure Nick Foles' contract, and let's bring in Nick Foles. Nick Foles is the answer to unlocking Matt Nagy's genius offense. $10 million for Andy Dalton now to fix this offense. And you know what? Here's the issue with all this. You could have had Andy Dalton last year for $3 million, kept a fourth-round pick, and not have to restructure all this money, and now you're in cap hell because you are fucking stupid. You, this entire regime is completely stupid, and I've had it because when I heard it, you know, you start hearing, like, the rumors of the backtrack of Russell Wilson. Now you hear, well, he pined for Chris Carson to return. Now he's saying, you know what? I want my Seahawks to sign Antonio Brown. The Russell Wilson rumors are dead. He's staying with Seattle. He is not going to get traded. Deshaun Watson's not walking through that door, Bears fans. You're getting Andy Dalton, the red rifle. That is going to be your starting quarterback day one. You, You traded for the same guy in Nick Foles. Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. Andy Dalton has a little bit more mobility, but it's the same dude. And Nick Foles couldn't run this offense last year. What do you, why do we think Andy Dalton is? And then you let Mitch Trubisky go, which by all means, I get that part. But neither of these ass clowns are better than Mitch Trubisky. Neither one of them. 
and they went with Andy Dalton. You know, I can't wait for them to trade up in the draft, Randy. Go ahead. Let's get another quarterback like Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Let's take Mac Jones, because I guarantee you that's the next piece of this stupid-ass puzzle. I'm a Bears fan. I'm incredibly frustrated because you, and you of all people too, Matt, you convinced yourself Mitch Trubisky was uh, the right guy who could help you win football games, help you make it far in the playoffs. This comes after the fact you traded up from three to two to take him. And then you have two guys who we both think are future hall of famers taken after him. One guy already won a super bowl and made it to another one. The other guy is a top five quarterback in the league who is demanding a trade. Who's now still readily available for you, who you can make up for the fact that you didn't draft him and trade for him. But no, you take the other guy who played in Texas last year and he was the backup for Dak Prescott. And I don't think he even looked very good. Um, I think there were parts of me that expected Andy Dalton to play well in Dallas's offense because you have Amari Cooper, you have CeeDee Lamb and Matt, Michael Gallup. But Andy Dalton looked lost at points. He had a couple of games here and there that looked pretty good. But you go from a talent level of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, especially at the skill positions, to the Bears where you have Allen Robinson, uh, you like Mooney quite a bit on the outside. He's yeah. a burner. Sure. Um, Jimmy Graham is a red zone threat still, but the talent level of those guys compared to the talent level on the Cowboys is a, such a difference. Even the offensive line, I think on the bears is a big dip down from the Cowboys. So I would be not very optimistic if I'm a bears fan because of all of that, your quarterback history as a franchise is pretty damn depressing. The fact that Jay Cutler is largely considered to be the best quarterback you've had in the Super Bowl era. And I, I, I know I complain a lot about the giants, but it, it's just not as bad. It, it's, there are so many worse situations and it's hard to believe the bears are where they are right now. Well, you take a look at totality of all of this. Uh, the, the offensive line, I consider it, you know, I'll give Dallas a slight edge, but they had, that was because they had a lot of injuries on the offensive line last year anyway. And I believe a couple, one or two of their offensive linemen may have even retired. So Andy Dalton was unfortunately behind a very porous offensive line, but let's face it, it, it probably would have been worse with the bears offensive line. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, yeah. The, the wide receivers is not even a conversation. I mean, if you're comparing Dallas to Chicago's wide receivers, stop joking around. That's utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Not even in the same universe. And I'm, I, I like David Montgomery, but he's not even Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott's a better running back than David <clears throat> Montgomery. And no one's going to – I would find hard-pressed to find someone that's willing to argue that point. If you argue that point, you're just a Bears homer because Zeke's better than David Montgomery, and that's it. That then we start talking about defense, and this is where the Bears made all their all their moves. All the money was in the defense, and I had a feeling that they were going to shift money around, shift it more towards the offense. I didn't expect this. You don't shift money from defense to offense to sign Andy Dalton. You cut a top ten corner in the NFL and Kyle Fuller, so you could afford Andy Dalton. That this team is is. Such a fucking mess with self-destructing, dumb football moves. It's just, I, I can't anymore. Once they signed it, Randy, we talked about it. I, I am sick. And I know people go around touting, oh, well, you're not a real fan. A real team doesn't put you through this shit. Mm-hmm. They don't do it for mismanagement. We had Phil Emery. We had Mark Tressman. 
We had John Fox, Ryan Pace, Jerry, the Jerry Angelo era, not terrible, but we still ended up with Jay Cutler, Jonathan Quinn, Chad Hutchinson at quarterback. I mean, all of these things that have compounded and this franchise still thinks they have enough cachet built up from 1985 to get away with this shit is sickening. It's because the fan base allows them to do it. You want to send a message? Stop watching the games. Stop tuning in in prime time. Do something else. Stop going to the stadium. I've been to Soldier Field. It's a giant piece of shit. I wouldn't even go there if someone paid me to go there. So send a message to this team. This shit is old. I'm sick of it. I am sick and tired of rooting for a team. They don't deserve anyone's fandom. Look, I, people can call you a bad fan, but this is part of fandom. No, no part of the fandom handbook says you have to love each and every move that the organization does all the time. I have this argument with Giants fans all the time. The Giants have tied for the worst record in the NFL for the last five years. And I'm like, what, what part of me should praise anything that they do? Nothing they've shown on the field has made me have to give them credit for anything. And what the Bears are doing is far worse now than what the Giants have done. So if you're a Bears fan, I think it's your duty to be pissed off. It's your right, and it's your, you should not never leave your loyal your Bears loyalty. But like you said, you do not have to support this current regime. You do not have to watch the games. Watch Red Zone. Stay stay in tune. Stay stay updated on what happens. But no one says you have to sit there and live and die on every single play. Uh, like it's like tomorrow's not doesn't isn't, isn't going to be there for you. And that's my problem with the Giants. Like they affected my mental health so much, and that's maybe on me. But this is what football is. This is what sports are. We, we're fans. This is what we, we care so much about it. We want them to win. No one says that you can't be frustrated or angry with what your team does. So if I'm a Bears fan, I'm, I'm up here. I'm with you. I, I'm very upset if I'm a Bears fan. Um, there's two things I'll take away from the Dalton deal. You're not going to like one of them. Uh, it's a one-year deal. So obviously they're not committing to him past that. Um, number two, since Andy Dalton was drafted, he's got one more win in his career than the Chicago Bears do. And that's my favorite joke that NFL Network had on the screen the day after the, they acquired Andy Dalton was that uh, Andy Dalton has 74 wins since 2011 and the Bears have 73, which is crazy, but it just kind of shows the mediocrity of the Bears uh, in the last decade. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's frustrating, um, to say the least. And you try to stick with them and you try to point out all the good things that they've done. And at the end of the day, there's just nothing there anymore. There's nothing to be happy about. And we just try to make sure that, you know, we move on from this, but it's hard. It's, It's really hard. Yeah, and sorry for those on Facebook Live. If you're having some technical difficulties, we're going to try to work on that for you as we go along here. But um, we're still going strong here. Um, speaking of Bears quarterbacks, I'm at Bush and all. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is gone. He's out the door now. Uh, he signs the deal with the Buffalo Bills for one year, less than $3 million to back up Josh Allen. I think this is a great spot for him. And uh, I love the fit because if he's playing something devastating happened to the bills and Josh Allen got hurt, or maybe that they have clinched a spot and they're letting Mitch play a game, but you've seen what Brian Dayball has done to Josh Allen. And it's, 
uh, pretty remarkable the strides he's taken in his career to this point. So if any, if Mitch can go back and uh, go there and back up Josh Allen for a year and improve, um, then that's ideal, I think, for Mitch. And he moved on from the Bears, and uh, and it's going to go down as one of the worst busts of all time, unfortunately, for the Bears picking him at two overall, considering he's gone after just four years. Um, but yeah, Mitch is gone, and you have a new quarterback in town. What do you make Mitch choosing Buffalo, Matt Bushnell? I, I think it's one of the better fits for him to, to go to. It, it makes a ton of sense for Mitch to revitalize his career with, you know, obviously he's not going to start any games for Buffalo. Well, we all know that, but you know, um, yeah, I'm forgetting the offensive coordinator's name now. Ah, Brian Dable. Brian Dable. Yep. And I, I think that's a good fit for Mitch to be able to kind of fix some errors. Now he's mechanically flawed and, did Nagy try coaching that out of him? I don't know. I'm not sure if any of us really know what Nagy really did with Mitch. So now maybe Dable gets a hold of him and he's able to fix those mechanical issues. And then Mitch in one year comes back out and starting. But I, I think we know the story of this, Randy. We see guys like Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, typically guys that get four years. It doesn't magically change. I think Mitch is going to be a very nice career backup. He's going to carve out a very nice career as a backup quarterback. He may win a Super Bowl as a backup, but he's just not, I mean, he's just never going to be that guy. He's never going to fulfill that number two overall pick. And it's a shame, but you know, that that's what happens with some guys. Some guys are able to get it. Some guys can't. And we're at that stage of Mitch's career. I, I just, I don't see it anymore. Yeah, so Mitch's tenure with the Bears is over. He moves on to Buffalo, and uh, he goes to a place where the fan base is going to appreciate him and love him for what he is. They've uh, done that with Josh Allen, so it's a good spot for him. And I think we're going to look back and look at Mitch as one of the biggest uh, draft busts of all time, and that's going to be something that Ryan Pace uh, has to live with as the GM of the Bears. Uh, all right, uh, Matt, while you, are, I believe, are working on some of these uh, – technical difficulties at the moment i'm unsure what the problem is but uh we're going to continue to power through until we figure that out uh we have a cluster of wide receivers going uh in the last week or so uh and i'm going to list the list off of the names until we get to the big one uh and the first one I, I thought I saw, and I don't know if this is exact order, but I believe this is in order. Uh, but A.J. Green, the longtime Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver, signing with the Arizona Cardinals on a one-year deal. Uh, look, if A.J. Green is in his prime, they have a hell of a duo here in DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green. But I, I don't think he's the same guy anymore. And the Cardinals tweeted made a funny tweet. It was like, oh, who are you going to double team now? <laughs> and then all, all the replies were, Hopkins, <laughs> still Hopkins, <laughs> but uh, I like the move for them. He's relatively cheap. I think he got uh, less than 8 million to join the Cardinals. So I like that move. Um, Curtis Samuel gets paid from the Washington football team. He, I, I think he got three years, uh, upwards of 50 million. So uh, I like that move for them. Curtis Samuel fits in really nice across from, um, from Terry McLaurin. Uh, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick has another weapon to throw to. Uh, you're putting Curtis Samuel back with Ron Rivera, uh, who coached him, obviously, with Carolina. So uh, and Washington's really coming together as a solid uh, team from top to bottom. Uh, Wolf Fuller, after being suspended for eight games with 
the Houston Texans signs with the Miami Dolphins, which I don't know if that was fate or maybe it's a recruiting ploy to try to get them to trade for Watson. But regardless, I, I feel like we felt, felt like this move was coming to either them or the Jets. Regardless, Will Fuller uh, is in Miami. And the Juju Smith-Schuster, which was probably the most surprising one to me, um, he thought he was getting paid. He told Steelers fans he was gone, uh, and he met with the Jets. And as soon as he met with the Jets, our friend Jacob uh, Moses said, guarantee he goes back to Pittsburgh, and maybe the Jets are a curse of death because he signed back to Pittsburgh for just $8 million. Holy jeez, that is such a steal for them and a pay cut for Juju. But maybe he just tested the waters a little bit, and other teams just – didn't think he was that good. I'm not sure, Matt. Uh, of the four wide receiver moves I mentioned so far, which one is your favorite? Uh, Team-wise, it's got to be Juju Smith-Schuster going back to Pittsburgh for $8 million when he had a two-year deal out there for the Ravens and possibly the Eagles. And the fact that the Ravens and Eagles couldn't pry him away from you know Pittsburgh. It's a big win for Pittsburgh. I the wide receiver market to me is, is very interesting because we saw so many guys get these one-year deals, all, all the wide receivers getting these one-year deals. And I think it's indicative of what this draft class is going to be. I think it says more about the draft and the talent level of these wide receivers. I think the salary cap, you know, has something to do with it. I do like Corey Davis. I, I like Juju Smith-Schuster. I like all these wide receivers, but with such a deep, rich wide receiver class for Pittsburgh to be able to keep Juju Smith-Schuster for, one year, $8 million. It's a home run, especially when the Chiefs offered Juju Smith-Schuster the same contract with $3 million in incentives. And he said no to Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You'd rather ride with an old Ben Roethlisberger than Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think it goes to show us that this NFL draft is going to be pretty deep for wideouts. Yep. And one team didn't get the memo, but I'm not totally mad about it because Kenny Galladay uh, came to visit for the Giants to the Giants over the weekend and did not leave without a contract. So uh, Kenny Galladay and the Giants agreed to a four year deal worth 63 million, 40 million dollars guaranteed by far the biggest contract of all the receivers this offseason. But I think it fills an immediate need that the Giants had. He's a big bodied number one receiver, a go up and get it guy. Uh, isn't the greatest separation guy. But I don't think they need that from him. I think they need him to draw a ton of attention, be a big red zone threat, and ultimately he's going to make Daniel Jones better if he's healthy. And it's a big concern, obviously, with Detroit. He wasn't as healthy. But when he played for the Lions, and our our friend Leon Tompkins always joked the Lions were a top-ten offense, with Kenny Galladay, they were close to that. Kenny Galladay is a difference maker when he's healthy, in my opinion. So I love this move for the Giants. I think Giants fans need to temper their expectations. I don't think he's Plexico Burris, but to me, he could have an impact like a Hakeem Nix did for the Giants about 10 years ago. And I love this move for them. Yeah. I mean, it's a home run move for the Giants for the simple fact that you needed, you have to find out what Daniel Jones is because we still don't know. We don't know if he's good. We don't know if he's bad. I think what we do know is that his floor is pretty low. Um, when it was supposed to be a pretty safe floor. And I think that was the thing that they praised a lot on him. You kind of knew what you would get out of him. Well, Daniel Jones has more turnovers in his first two seasons than Mitch Trubisky, um, Sam Darnold, who I'm sure we'll talk about in length in upcoming shows. Um, Obviously, Watson, Mahomes, I mean, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen. I mean, Daniel Jones wasn't supposed to be this turnover machine. So now you have to go ahead and try 
to give him weapons so that excuse is gone mm-hmm. i don't think it's going to erase anything but as far as kenny galladay goes for the giants it's a big get i don't like the money though I, i'll I be either. honest yeah i mean four years 72 million dollars for an often injured wide out at his best, I'm not. Tell me if I'm wrong here, Randy. But did he ever break a thousand yards receiving in a season? Yeah, 2019, I believe he had 1,200 yards. He made the Pro Bowl. Uh, okay. They get 11 touchdowns that year as well. But I'll say this: he had Matt Stafford throwing him the ball, and I think we both agree Matt Stafford is a hell of a lot better than Daniel Jones is. So he's going to have to try to elevate the quarterback, then rather than relying on him uh, to make him better at this point. So I want to see if Kenny Galladay is capable of that. Oh man, I, I that scares me, you know. And I I argue with some Jets fans about you know Sam Darnold needs weapons. Well, shit, I mean Tom Brady had Dion Branch as his primary one number one wide receiver for the first three Super Bowls. Yeah. I, I mean that, that's not a premier number one receiver. So to me, like exactly like you said, I got to see my quarterback bring out the best in people. I, I, mm-hmm. We didn't see it with Mitch. Obviously, we didn't see it with Daniel Jones these past two years. I, I know we didn't see it with Darnold. We're not seeing it with Baker Mayfield. And I, Baker Mayfield, he's had some good years. And there's still some there, you know, a little hope. I mean, Josh Allen needs Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of Giants fans are making that comparison, too. They're trying yeah. to say that this is the Stephon Diggs trade for them and for Daniel Jones. And I thought that Josh Allen really showed a ton beforehand, even before Stephon Diggs got there. And Stephon Diggs has been much more consistent, despite me calling him overrated, than <laughs> Kenny Galladay has. So I don't necessarily think those comparisons are, are accurate. Yeah, I mean, so, so, so someone made a funny joke, like um... – you know, something was the family dollar version of it. I mean, Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay are the family dollar version of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I don't want to be that way. But from what I've seen from the tape, I mean, Kenny Galladay's good. I don't think he's Stefan Diggs good. And Daniel Jones is, we don't know. So... Yeah, look, I, I like the move because the Giants were 31st in the NFL in scoring last year. The constant complaint was they did not have weapons. Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, they all could not create separation and they get open for Daniel Jones. Even if the offensive line was able to keep him upright, there was no one open. Uh, getting Saquon Barkley back uh, should help as well. But, you know, he's coming off an ACL. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But the uh, other moves the Giants made this weekend have Giants fans excited um, include Kyle Rudolph. Uh, he gets a two-year, $16 million deal, but with the, with the way excuse me, they are structuring contracts, I believe it's like $3 million this year and $5 million next year with signing bonuses and incentives and ends up being sixteen. Mm-hmm. But Kyle Rudolph might be past his prime, might be washed up, but he's a red zone target who catches the ball. Evan Ingram's biggest criticism, besides blocking, is that he has the case of the dropsies. So Kyle Rudolph is a steady-handed tight end who also can block. So I don't hate the move as a tight end too, and it should, in theory, improve the red zone offense. Yeah, I... As a Bears fan, I have too much Kyle Rudolph experience to know that he's a really good tight end, especially in the, the red zone. Is he as good as he was? No. I, I think what you're seeing, and oh, let's call the Evan Engram Pro Bowl selection a joke because that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Um, he, he's like the he's the opposite of Evan Engram. Evan Engram's more like big yeah. play, 
inconsistent his entire career yeah. where Kyle Rudolph's not going to give you huge chunk plays, but he's going to be consistent. He's going to run the right route. He's going right. to be where he's supposed to be. And he's, he can also block. So he's a uh, professional. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. So th- I do like that. I, I do like the Kenny Galladay signing. I don't like the money. I don't like the years, right. but I, I like that for what, for what it is. And then I also like the Kyle Rudolph signing. So the thing that could just uh, derail this entire hope for the Giants offense is the offensive line is worse. uh, And you still have Jason Garrett (laughs) calling the plays here. So uh, that is enough for me to still kind of be like, all right, let's, let's just wait and see. Cause this is my issue with Giants fans. They get overly excited um, and they have high expectations for things. And I'm like, look, I'm very happy with the Kenny Galladay signing. And I like uh, the Kyle Rudolph signings, but let's, let's, hold off a little bit on NFC winning or, you know, Super Bowl or anything like that. Let's, let's go eight and eight. How about let's not have 10 losses in the season and then let us go from there. Um, the other move the Giants made when I disagree with most Giants fans on that they love is this Adoree Jackson signing from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave this guy three million, three years, three, $39 million worth up to 45 million. And holy hell, this guy is not even a top 20 corner in the NFL. Um, he's young. He's only 25, 26 years old. But he's coming off of an injury and he has two interceptions in his career since being drafted in 2017. Uh, he has some good uh, deep pass coverage grades and all that stuff. But overall, all things considered, uh, I think he's been pretty disappointing. And obviously the, the Titans, uh, <laughs> they didn't love him enough to extend him or keep his five-year uh, or extend, uh, push his five-year contract, uh, uh, make his contract available, I should say. They just released him. They said, see ya, we don't want you anymore. Um, so Giants fans love this move. They think he's like the second coming of Tyler law in my opinion he's better than any cornerback two that they already had great the money probably not worth it yeah i mean that's it's borderline cornerback one money i mean it's 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 a low-end cb1 for the amount of money you're paying him he's not that guy when you had options out there and i I know kyle fuller went to the broncos in 30 minutes Mm -hmm. that that was going to be a done deal um just how much vic fangio loves um kyle fuller but to, to me, you saw these cornerback deals. You saw Kyle Fuller get one year, $9 million. I'm forgetting uh, Desmond Trufant, who – and this is my issue with pro football, you know, focus or PFF, their rankings. Um, they, they had Desmond Trufant really highly rated, almost as high as Kyle Fuller. And Trufant's never healthy, and I've never seen anything from them that I love. So take those ratings with a grain of salt. I, I wouldn't give them like Bible status as a, you know, a 10 commandment written on a you know stone plaque, but uh, to me, a Dory Jackson, not three years, 39 million. No, it, it's a, you're giving out money. You're giving out these contracts like they're candy, you know, like, Oh, here you go. No, just please take it. I'll overpay you. Kenny Galladay. And Henry asked us the question is Kenny Galladay, a wide receiver one. And I think he is. And I you can so. kind of justify that money. I mean, four for 72 is not as egregious as a Dory Jackson's three for 39. It's just, yeah. we're talking different realms here. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, you got to be smart because as you see with the Bears, any situations that pop up with the salary cap, it will come back and bite you in the ass in a hurry. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to be able to manage the salary cap well. And I, I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see if, Dory Jackson and I, I like Bradbury a lot. Bradbury looks to have a very bright future in this league. Right. So 
that's the thing. Like I like Bradbury. Obviously Bradbury is the number one and that's not changing. And Adoree could be a nice compliment to him. My concern is that they are paying him and expecting the world of him uh, right yep. away. And I don't know how to feel about that. The Giants have a, a, a decent secondary now put together here um, with Bradbury uh, and Jackson and Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers. And they have a couple of young guys in the secondary. Uh, Xavier McKinney was a second round pick last year. Didn't get a ton of playing time, but they have high expectations for him. So the secondary is young uh, with, with the combination of Logan Ryan, I think could be pretty good next year. So um, I, I like the potential of the secondary. I don't love the Edward Jackson signing. Don't kill me for that. Uh, but everyone else seems to love it a little too much for my liking. Just for reference here, Kyle Fuller signed one year, nine and a half million. Ronald Darby also signed with the Broncos, signed a three-year, $30 million, which is 19 and a half million fully guaranteed. I don't even think Ronald Darby's that good. And I think that's a severe overpay, but I still think he's better than a Dory Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for Kyle Fuller, this year's more or less, you know, he, he saw his eye on the prize. He knows he's going to be worth a lot of money next year. So it's just kind of resetting the value when the cap goes back up. Kyle Fuller is going to get a multi-year deal. He's a highly valued corner in the NFL. So I, I think Kyle Fuller will see another payday pretty soon. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're going to move on from the Giants now. Uh, sorry, Vince, you missed our Giants segment. You can go back and listen to that if you would like. Uh, all right. We're going to move on to your new team, the Kansas City Chiefs, who signed Kyle Long, a uh, member of your former team. <laughs> what is the deal here? Did he come out of retirement to sign with the Chiefs? Yeah, actually, he took a year off. I mean, just battled injuries. And Kyle Long, here's the thing with Kyle Long. If Kyle Long is healthy, this is an absolute home run steal. Oh, my God, how the hell did they get Kyle Long? Because Bear fans remember this guy as, when he was healthy, dominant, like best guard in the NFL dominant. What the Chiefs are going to get with Kyle Long, if he's healthy and he's healed up, it, it could be a pretty scary thing because I absolutely love that along with the Joe Tooney signing, which I know we're going to get to too, the two home runs for the chiefs here. And I think it's a really good a step in the right direction for them. Well, they can miss him to come out of retirement and he only signed a one-year deal worth one and a half a million. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it could be worth up to 5 million with incentives, but uh, he basically came out of the re- retirement for a chance to win a Super Bowl. essentially is what he did. And like you said, we, we mentioned Joe Tooney last week, but just worth reiterating um, five years, 80 million for Joe Tooney, uh, a versatile offensive lineman, which they clearly needed to replace Eric Fisher uh, and the uh, Mitchell Schwartz, the two, two, two offensive linemen they released. And here's the thing, because Kyle Long went on the uh, Pat McAfee show. He was talking, and he was freaking shredded. Like, Kyle Long put on all the weight again. He said he missed football. He didn't know what, you know, how much it meant to him. Like a lot of players, when you retire, you don't necessarily – it's that hard feeling. Like, you want to get back into it after a little bit. So if Kyle Long's focused and he does want to win a Super Bowl, I think that's every player's goal here. I mean, that Chiefs offensive line with maybe getting another offensive lineman in the draft, which they have plenty of you know, ability to do that. It's They're looking like the AFC favorites again by a mile. 
For sure. Uh, I mean, we, they were never going anywhere, so I'm not too worried about the Chiefs. And I can see a situation where Mitchell Schwartz just kind of weighs retirement, and then once he feels healthy enough, he signs you know a contract with the Chiefs to come back and helps them in the playoffs. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens for them. All right, we have a, a big move in the NFC. So we're talking about corner signing uh, with the Giants here, but uh, Washington got a good one as well on William Jackson. He signed a three-year, $40 million deal worth $26 million guaranteed uh, with the Washington football team. they filling in uh, also a, a position of need for them. And I actually kind of like William Jackson. I, I'm, not, I'm just going to say it, a little bit more than I like Adore Jackson. They got similar money. Um, but William Jackson signing, I think, with an even better defense. Uh, you know, Washington's defense is looking to be pretty, pretty stout here. Yeah, it's a typical Ron Rivera type of football team that they're setting up here. And I like, I, I may be in the minority here, but I like the Ryan Fitzpatrick signing too. I, I, no, I do too. Yeah, and the William J. To me, this is with this move, they upgrade the secondary a little bit more. I, I think they're probably a safety or two away from really having that dominant best defense in the NFL. Washington is the team to beat in the NFC East. And I know people will cite the Cowboys coming back healthy with Dak Prescott. I am sorry, but once you watch Chase Young and how dominant he is at the point of attack, I mean, he's up there with Aaron Donald. That's how scary this team can mm-hmm. be, especially with you know some of the other pieces they have, Montez Sweat, and I'm forgetting a bunch of names here, Ryan Kerrigan, but Washington's for real. This is a team you got to watch out for. Yeah, I think they are the best team, but I, I think the Cowboys and Giants are knocking on the door right there, but I do think Washington is better and, and poised to win the NFC East in 2021. So uh, I like that move for them quite a bit. And uh, also, you know, they the Bengals, mind you, we thought they had a chance to re-sign William Jackson and Carl Lawson, and they didn't retain either of those two guys. So I'm not really sure what Cincinnati's doing, but they're just letting good players go get paid elsewhere uh, on a defense that is already pretty poor. So uh poor joe burrow anyway uh we're moving on to a player that you're pretty familiar with and you were interested in seeing where he landed former cardinals edge rusher hassan reddick signed a one-year deal with the carolina panthers and i believe it's only eight million dollars so uh look i think we all know he had question marks he had 13 sacks last year although five of them came in that one game against the giants so uh i think the panthers are just giving him an opportunity to prove himself a little bit yeah, I think it's a good deal for not only Hassan Reddick, but also the Panthers. This is a win-win. He performs well. He gets paid if he proves it. You know, this is the real deal. Hopefully, they've seen the tape. They know how to use them now. I, I think Arizona, it was just an abundance of the same type of player because Isaiah Simmons, you got to figure out a place for him. Chandler Jones, now you got J.J. Watt there as well. Um, it, it just seemed like a redundant type of player that they had. So it makes sense for Hassan Reddick to kind of hit the reset button, still get paid $8 million for, for us that don't get paid millions of dollars a year. <laughs> you know, it, it's nice, you know, to kind of see like salaries come down, but anyway, it's a good move. I, I like it for Reddick, reset your market value, go out there, have a great year. Panthers capitalize, you capitalize. It's a win-win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree. Uh... <laughs>
<laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with it. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on now to your division again. Uh, Patrick Peterson, uh, also of the Arizona Cardinals, leaving uh, to sign a one-year $10 million deal with the Minnesota Vikings. And I feel like the Vikings are this team that always have like veteran corners who stick around forever, whether they're still good or not. So uh, the Vikings here, they're giving another shot to Patrick Peterson, who once was an elite corner. I think Cardinals fans would probably voice some of their frustrations with him as of late, but Hey, I think it's a low uh, risk, uh, high ceiling type of move for the Vikings. Yeah. And unless you saw Patrick Peterson play a lot, like our friend Corey Decker has over the years, I mean, Patrick Peterson gets burned on a regular basis. And honestly, when you take a look at now, you you don't want to match him up with Devontae Adams. You're not going to want to match him up with Allen Robinson. I, I, hell, I wouldn't feel comfortable matching Patrick Peterson up with Darnell Mooney. So to, to me, I, I don't like this signing for Minnesota. You know, th- there's, there's a lot of issues here. So to me, it, it's a gamble. And if he's playing the two as opposed to the one, that's fine. It is a Mike Zimmer defense. So maybe Mike Zimmer can kind of mix in his zone coverages and Patrick Peterson might be able to stick that way. But I, I don't love this. I, I don't like the money and I don't like the signing. I'm just going to make a comparison here. The Vikings signed Terrence Newman, the Cowboys corner who most people uh, in NFC, especially Giants fans, had dubbed him uh, Burt Toast because he was always the guy chasing <laughs> after Giants receivers in the end zone. Uh, he was terrible. Uh, and then he played for the Bengals for a couple of years. But then the Vikings signed him in 2015. And he played there for three seasons. And somehow they got three, like, semi-productive years out of him. Um, so, you know, I feel like the Vikings uh, and their coaching staff gets something out of these vet guys, especially in the secondary. So uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit more optimistic about Patrick Peterson, but I understand I would, if I'm, a, if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm not expecting, you know, 2012 Patrick Peterson, No, but I understand that he has the ability to make an impact, you know, a positive one uh, at, at some point. I got nothing to add. I, I, I don't see it, but. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens with Patrick Peterson and the Vikings. All right, we're going to move on. Kyle Van Noy, the Patriots are not done making new, uh, making moves. He returns to the Pats uh, after a year or two years with the Miami Dolphins. But uh, Kyle Van Noy is a guy who is just, when I think of Patriots, uh, I think of Bill Belichick guys, I think of Kyle Van Noy. He's just annoying. I don't think he's great, but he's a situational guy who always seems to find himself in the right place at the right time. And he's back now with New England. I'd like this signing a whole bunch. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, New England's going to be a top five defense next year. And to me, Bill Belichick with these playmakers on defense now, I just, to, to me, it makes a lot of sense. They're going to be able to get to the quarterback, which we talk about all the time. You know, can you get to the quarterback? Have an elite quarterback and have an elite pass rush, and you're going to be in pretty good shape. So to me, they're, you know, it really depends on how far Cam Newton can take them. But with Kyle Van Noy, it helps them out a lot. They have a high draft pick or a mid-round draft pick. I'm, let's not call it high, but New England's a team to watch very closely because they've been busy this offseason. Matt Judon with Kyle Van Noy. Um, I'm forgetting the other guy that they signed to rush the passer. Um, well, they made a ton of signings. Uh, Dietrich Weiss, uh um, I'm trying to think of the defensive tackle. Um, they have Raekwon McMillan, uh, Jalen Mills. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, 
Uh, Henry Henry Anderson, uh, Devon Gacho. I mean, they they signed so many players here, uh, and and Nick Folk they brought back too. So I mean, a little kicker action for you too. But uh, look, Van Noy gets two years, thirteen point two million. I think that's a good contract for a good player. And the Patriots seem to be all in now. And like you said, around draft time, they're going to be a team trying to move up to take a quarterback. I don't know which one is their guy, but it wouldn't shock me if it's Trey Lance. I. My, my guess here is I, I think you're going to probably look at a guy like Justin Fields for New England. If they can move up to get Justin Fields, because I think what's going to happen is, that, you know, if I just had to guess here, Lawrence is going to go one. Wilson has to go two. If the, if the Jets do not take Zach Wilson, they are going to finish in fourth and be in that football Mitch Trubisky <laughs> hell that I know oh so well. So to me, the Jets have to take a quarterback. After Zach Wilson, we have no idea how the quarterback dominoes are going to fall. So to me, a logical trade-up for New England is maybe Cincinnati. Miami's not going to trade with them. I don't think Brian Flores – if Brian Flores knows that Belichick wants to move up to three, he knows he sees something. So I'm not sure if he's going to want to do that. So I think Cincinnati's the logical landing spot here. For Belichick to try to trade up and so that Cincinnati can acquire more picks because Cincinnati needs to round out that roster but watch out for Justin Fields to New England it makes almost too much sense with the type of offense they can run with Cam and it's easily translatable to Justin Fields. A little early draft talk for you. We're going to start our draft, full draft coverage, I believe, next week. And we're going to do a full month of draft coverage. And, you know, we want to have some guests on. We're going to talk about predictions, about player comparisons and all that stuff. So uh, we'll also talk a lot about this Sam Darnold situation because you and Jacob have been going back and forth on this in football life for a while. And it's it's an interesting conversation. If you haven't got to go check that out, please do. And uh, we want your thoughts as well. And if you think Sam Darnold's good, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, before we move on to the next topic on the rundown here Matt Corey Richmond in the comments wants to know what we think of the Browns moves and you know I think their biggest uh, concerns to me uh, was the secondary and they signed John Johnson to a three-year deal worth 34 million and they signed Troy Hill for to a four-year deal with 24 million I think those are huge gets for a secondary that uh, they really needed to plug their uh, holes at uh, they re-signed Richard Higgins for a one-year deal that's fine I like that and then two upside uh, signings for you know not a lot of money was Malik Jackson and Tack McKinley. Those guys could work out in the long run, but if they don't, it doesn't kill you either. But ultimately I think the John Johnson and Troy Hill signings are good moves for them. Yeah. I give Cleveland an A plus and they still have OBJ. They still have. For now <laughs> rumors. <laughs> yeah, there's rumors. And as we get closer, who knows, but I have a feeling if he was going to get traded, you know, it probably would have happened by now just for the simple fact that it's a deep wide receiver draft. And I don't think that, OBJ has that value that you're going to get. So I, I think OBJ is kept on the Browns, which makes sense to me in a lot of ways. But I, I give Cleveland an A plus here for not for realizing they didn't have to do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. They just need to fix some things, like we said in the secondary. Malik Jackson, very good on the defensive line. It's going to help them out really well. It's a, it's a strong part of their team. So if Malik Jackson turns it around and turns into Jacksonville Malik Jackson, uh-huh. huge get here for the Browns. Uh-huh. So I, I like what they did here. John Johnson is a plug-and-go safety. He's going to be ready to go. He's going to stick people. He's going to help support the run and make sure that 
you know, the middle of the field's covered for the most part. So I like John Johnson. To, to me, Cleveland is in this weird division where we thought it was the best division last year, and I think it was. But I see this division coming back down. I, I don't think they're any longer the best. But with that being said, I think Cleveland's the best team in this division now. I think they are uh, definitely uh, a candidate to win the division for sure. I think the Steelers are going to take a big step back and I think it's between Cleveland and Baltimore. So I agree. And, and this is the thing, a team like Cleveland and all these bad teams or traditionally bad teams always win the off season. They always sign free agents and make big splashes in free agency and win this type, this time period. And the Browns were gonna, just told themselves, we're not going to be that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to give JJ Watt $40 million because he's not worth that kind of money. The Browns I like because they're built through the draft. They're developing their own guys. Uh, they have a ton of talent all over the place. And I agree with you on the Odell Beckham Jr. point because, uh, look, he doesn't have a ton of trade value right now because he's coming off of an injury. Let him play for your team. There were games down the stretch you needed him, and you didn't have him. So uh, just let him rehab, let him come back, and hopefully he, him and Baker click because that's been the big, uh, big criticism that they have not. So I really like Kevin Stefanski. I think he's going to make that work, and I really like now the Browns secondary. I think they are the most complete team in the division, and if Baker continues to grow and get better, I think they are the team to beat in that division for sure. Uh, yeah. All right, thanks for the question, Corey. We're going to continue on here. Uh, to a contract I don't understand one bit, Matt Bushnell, uh, and it's Kenyon Drake to the Las Vegas Raiders here. Uh, last I checked, they, they drafted a running back in the first round of Josh uh, Jacobs, and he's pretty good. Uh, a little bit of injury history for sure, but uh, still a guy you're heavily invested in. But Drake signs a two-year $11 million deal worth up to $15 million to back up Jacobs. Uh, can you explain this or make it make sense for me? Because I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it either. I don't get why Arizona let him go. I don't, I, I don't know why Las Vegas signed him. Um, to me, you drafted a running back in the first round. And here's my thoughts on it. Unless you're the Chiefs and you have just a plethora of weapons and you don't have a lot of holes, go ahead and draft a running back in the first round. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be really good. But the Raiders have holes they just traded, they got rid of three-fifths of their offensive line, and we're giving the Chiefs a bunch of crap for it. Why aren't we giving the Raiders a bunch of crap for it? Because they just traded their center to the Cardinals, matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I, I, I'm done figuring out what John Gruden and Mike Mayock are doing. I don't know what they're doing. I don't get it. To me, just whatever. You know, you want two good backs, and why the hell did you draft a first-round running back anyway? But it Makes I, no sense. Yeah, it's a dumb move by a team that historically has been making dumb moves. Yep. Uh, I will say I will give credit to the Cardinals because, like you said, traded for the center for the Raiders. And, by the way, the Raiders had one of the best offensive lines in the last couple of years, and they just completely gutted it. Uh, And now uh, I'll give credit for the Cardinals because this is my thing. You can draft running backs wherever you want. Do not pay running backs. I'm sick of these guys getting contracts that are massive. <laughs> and I know they're people and I know they're whatever. I like running backs and fantasy and all this stuff. But you can get by with the bare minimum at running back if you have all the other pieces in line. Chase Edmonds is plenty good enough to be the starting running back for the Cardinals because they're a pass first offense anyway. He can catch the ball. He can play. He can run screens. Draft a guy in the third round and have him back up Chase Edmonds, and you're fine. You don't need to spend all this money on a guy like Kenyon Drake who already flamed out somewhere else. So I give credit to the Cardinals here. 
Just let the guy go. Don't don't overpay for a guy you can easily replace. And running backs, for the most part, are easily replaceable. I've been pounding that drum forever, and I will continue to do so here. Kudos to the Arizona Cardinals. I, I, no, I, I hate this move for the Arizona Cardinals because Kenyon Drake made a lot of sense for them. Like I agree, I, but yeah. I'm just saying money-wise – you know yeah all right i you know what we'll roll with that i mean money wise fine okay but just i I can't wait to see your face when saquon barkley gets that five-year hundred million dollar deal it's gonna be like yours with Andy dalton but at least you know saquon has shown he's good in the nfl so (laughs) (laughs) um and and like henry's point the niners have 46 running backs and none of them uh, are stars and all of them seem to be undrafted and make differences so chase edmonds will be fine can we talk about the Niners now? Because I, I have some things I need to say about them. What timing have we got here, Matt Bushnell? Because it just so happens on a rundown, the Niners are up next. And, you know, Henry will be happy to know. But uh, they have paid two offensive linemen since the last time we spoke. Uh, yeah. The number One of the best free agents on the market, Trent Williams, returns to a six-year deal. I believe it was over $160 million, I believe I read that right. Let me double-check that number for you. I, I thought but, 138. It might be 138 million. Yeah, I think you're actually right about that. But my God, did they pay this guy? And he, I mean, he's probably worth it. So I can't really fault them here. So let's see. Trent Williams, six years, 138 million, 32.4 million in year one. Uh, it's broken up into three parts. I'm not going to break it all down. It's a lot of just contract jargon, whatever. But also on top of that, they signed center Alex Mack to a one-year deal for five and a half million, who has played with Shanahan with the Falcons in the past. So he obviously wanted to come back. And Alex Mack is one of the better centers in the NFL. So the Niners bolstering their offensive line. I love these two moves for them. To me, the Niners are the huge winners of this whole free agency frenzy. Like we talked about the Browns not doing so much what the Niners did that I loved is they identified their talent that they had to keep. I think Trent Williams, you know, it's funny that when the bears were aggressively pursuing Trent Williams. And as soon as they signed Andy Dalton, Trent Williams was like, no guys, I'm good. Just, he told the bears, no, thanks. So it took away that leverage, but obviously he had another suitor to, you know, kind of finagle contracts with the 49ers. And I believe that was the chiefs that offered Trent Williams some decent money to me getting Alex Mack for that money. And Trent Williams contract is very interesting. After three years, it gives the 49ers an out. So we'll see if they utilize that, but man, you talk about a team that just implores this run first, you know, just move you out of the way type of offense. And I think it helps Jimmy G I'm, I'm not, sold on jimmy g being a franchise quarterback i think he can neither are they <laughs> yeah exactly but apparently joe flacco went to philadelphia so okay avoided that avoided that disaster yeah which i don't know how joe flacco still has a job in the nfl but hey you know what good you for win him. a super bowl you got a job for life apparently <laughs> right i'm um, just asking eli manning uh two times two times <laughs> he probably played twice as long as he should have um, at least three years longer than he should anyway. but but yeah to me it's 49ers hit a lot of home run deals here I, I like Verrett coming back as well I think that's kind of underrated but my god you know if if this team ever figured out the quarterback situation if, if they got a guy that they felt really great about I, I, I don't know if there's a team in the NFC built to beat them yeah, Packers have a very bad run defense and they seem to choke I do like the Bucs, but I think the Niners match up exceedingly well against the Buccaneers. 
What about so, the team in their division, the Rams? I think the Rams could beat them. I, you, you know, here's my issue with the Rams. When the Niners played them last year, and even the year before, and maybe it was a symptom of golf, but to me, they're just ballless. You know, there's no guts to the Rams because to me, when a team just shoves it down your throat, they tell you, hey, you know what? This is who we are. And they shove it, shove it, shove it, shove it right down your throat all game long. And you can't do anything to stop it. Nothing to stop it. That's a problem. And the Rams run defense is a concern for me. They beat up on the sisters of the poor. They give up on the running game way too quick. Seattle's never had a great running game. Arizona, meh, don't love it. But to me, it like the 49ers match up so well against the Rams. And I think Shanahan's a better coach than McVay. And I know some Ram fans may take that personally, but I, I would take Shanahan over over McVay every day of the week. Okay. I want to see McVay with, with Matt Stafford here because what he did with golf, I think is really difficult to do. And uh, I think now with a guy who I think is a lot better than golf, uh, I want to see what happens. Cause I really do like McVay and I like the Rams. And I think a lot of the Niners owning the Rams of late probably has a lot to do with golf. We'll see. I, I mean, golf doesn't play defense. True. So, so yeah. unless golf is strapping it up on the defensive line and stopping that run, I, I, I don't see how I've seen a lot of Matt Stafford. Trust me. I've seen so much Matt Stafford. There's a reason why he's called Matt stat padding. Stat Padford. But yeah, no, I, I, I like the Niners. I, I like the Niners more than I do like the Rams. All right. Well, yeah, the Niners opposite of the Bengals recognize their own talent and what they wanted to bring back. You bring back Barrett, you bring back Mosley, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, and then you add these offensive linemen here. The biggest winner is Raheem Mostert to me and a guy I'm going to target in fantasy, I think pretty high. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and can you, I just want to have a question before we move on, Matt, Bushnell. what round was Raheem Mostert drafted in, in the NFL draft? He just was undrafted. Me. Oh, interesting. Interesting to note there. Don't uh, don't even ask me what team signed him as an undrafted free agent. Do not go there. I'm not going to ask. I'm not, I'm not. I don't even know the answer to that question. I just wanted to prove a point that the Niners have set it up to the point where it does not matter who's playing running back for them. They can stick undrafted free agent Raheem freaking Mostert, who played on six practice squads in there, and he makes them look like freaking Frank Gore in his prime. So uh, do what the Niners do with running backs. The, the Bears had him first. Well, they didn't do the right thing. They didn't know how to handle them. So they, 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 they don't do anything right. But anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, two different completely situations there. Uh, speaking of teams who don't handle things right, it's time to talk about the Houston Texans, unfortunately. Oh, uh, the Deshaun Watson update and Henry made an inappropriate joke in the comments. I'm not going to say what it was, but uh, <laughs> I don't think Deshaun appreciates that. His lawyer might be contacting you. But uh, as of this morning, there are 14 different uh, women accusing Deshaun Watson of uh, inappropriate sexual behavior, uh, some sexually harassed, some sexually assaulted. You have to be careful with the language there. There are two very different things. Um, but it came out just a couple hours ago that Sean Watson's lawyer, Rusty Hardin, uh, has significant evidence to prove that one of the accusers has tried to blackmail Deshaun Watson in the past uh, and says that these accusations are just straight up false. Um, you know, I think when any of these accusations come to light on any situation, you have to take them seriously. Uh, you, you have to look into it. And, and unfortunately for the people who are real victims of this sort of thing in the real world, 
if these things are false allegations to make Deshaun Watson look bad, it really hurts the people who actually go through this. Uh, and it's suspect timing because Deshaun Watson seems to have all the leverage in this situation. And the lawyer for all of the accusers is the same and happens to be friends with people in the Texas front office. So I'm sorry if I'm a little skeptical here, Matt Bushnell, but the timing of it all feels a little sketchy to me. Yeah, Randy, I, I think you hit a lot of great points here with Deshaun Watson's legal issues at this time. To me, it's these shouldn't be used as a way to extort money. And mm-hmm. I'm going to speak very plainly. Deshaun Watson's an idiot for going on Instagram and trying to hire a masseuse. I mean, it's I, I often talk to my own children and when they make decisions and decisions that I think are poor decisions, I always ask them, what's the worst possible outcome and what's the best possible outcome? Well, now Deshaun Watson's facing the worst possible outcome from going on Instagram looking for a masseuse when it makes no logical sense. You hear a lot of professional football players have their own masseuse. It's just their comfort. They have a relationship built up. So when they go to certain body parts and, you know, quarterbacks, there's a lot of groin, glutes, you know, a lot of that area where they tend to be more sore at than some other positions. So when you're a pro football player like this, if your regular masseuse is not available, go through the team or go through, you know, a a corporation. Don't do it in a hotel room with no cameras, no evidence, you know, for all this to happen. So I think it's a valuable lesson for Deshaun Watson. Now on to the accusers. I, I think at worst, Deshaun Watson made sexual advances that were unwelcomed. I think he made them feel uncomfortable for the ones that are telling the truth here. I I think he did make them feel uncomfortable. From hearing people talk about Watson's character, from how he was in the past at Clemson, how NFL teams are still trying to trade for him. Five NFL teams that, and keep in mind, for a lot of people that don't know this about NFL teams, they have ex-FBI personnel working in their security department. If they thought any of these carried any significant weight, they would not touch Deshaun Watson at all. It, mm-hmm. it, it would be dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, is Deshaun Watson guilty for making these women feel uncomfortable, making sexual advances? Yes. Is he guilty of sexual assault? I do not believe so. As a masseuse, and when he's sending messages of the areas that need to be massaged and worked on, you you just, you go in there as a masseuse, and that's kind of what you have to expect. Are you actually, are you accidentally going to touch the testicles and the penis? Probably, if you're working in that groin area. You know, it's just one of those things, you know, I, I don't think he forced anyone to perform oral sex. I, I think that's a bridge he knows is too far gone. So to, to me, guilty of being very stupid, mm-hmm. but guilty of sexual assault, I, I, I'm, I'm going to believe Deshaun Watson's character in this. And I, I, I don't think you can sue somebody for making you feel uncomfortable. I think Deshaun Watson is guilty of doing what a lot of guys have done in their life where they try to make a move on someone that 
you know, they get certain vibes from. And uh, obviously we're not as welcome as they originally thought does not make it okay what he did. And we, as men in general have to be better at, at this. You know, I think that we, we live in a time now where you need to understand that we can't do things that how things used to be done. And uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, like you said, made a mistake. He did something really dumb. I don't think he did anything evil or mean spirited, but you have to kind of let this thing play out because if we don't start to believe uh, accusers is how people who actually are victims of this uh, become silenced. And that's, that's definitely not okay here. So like you said, that's a good point about if the teams uh, are trying to still trade for him, they know that, or they believe <laughs> this stuff might be a little suspect. So if this was like a Ray Rice situation where you saw a video and you're like, uh, uh, nope, not touching that. Or it is a Adrian Peterson situation where he's, you know, whipping his child. Uh, I think you would see teams back off and we haven't seen that. So that tells me that teams have launched their own personal investigations. They have looked into the situation on their own. And I think a lot of teams don't trust the Texans. So I think a lot of teams would say, would we, would we really put it past the Texans to try to make uh, this guy look bad? No. So uh, we'll see what happens with this situation. And uh, meanwhile, while all of this is going on, the Texans have been one of the more busy teams when it comes to free agency, uh, just signing a bunch of random guys here. I'm going to just list a bunch of names. Uh, Ryan Finley, they traded for Tyrod Taylor, uh, you know, a year worth 12 million, 12 and a half million. Mark Ingram signed a one-year deal. Philip Lindsay got released by the Broncos. They signed him for a one-year deal. Andre Roberts, Alex Erickson, Dante Moncrief. We can keep going on with random receivers. Uh, Marcus Cannon they acquired with a trade with the Patriots. Um, Justin Britt, Shaq Lawson they traded with the Dolphins for. The list goes on and on. There's about 20 transactions here on this list. Uh, Vernon Hargraves, Desmond King, uh, Terrence Brooks, Cam Johnston. I mean, the, the Texans are busy, and I think Tyrod is sort of that guy who's going to play for them now. Because I, I just don't envision Deshaun Watson being their quarterback anymore. But Tyrod it appears that he's going to get another opportunity, and maybe they try to make a little uh, poor man Deshaun Watson that first year <laughs> with Tyrod Taylor. Well, he's not Deshaun Watson, so I'll be interested to see what they end up doing with Deshaun Watson. I, t- to me, I, I think they know they're going to trade him at draft time. If they signed Tyrod Taylor on its own, I'd be like, okay, to me, man, may- maybe they still plan on keeping Deshaun Watson. But then you throw on the Patrick Finley, um, the Ryan Finley trade. Uh, can't get his name right yeah, for the Bengals. Ryan Finley. Yep. Yeah, Ryan Finley. To me, that is like kind of like the red flag. Like, oh man, uh-huh. they are definitely trading him. I don't see him staying with them. Uh-huh. But this is still a garbage ass team. <laughs> this team's gonna be bad. <laughs> I like how you said. I like how you set that one up. <laughs> There's nothing here. I mean, Deshaun Watson made them last year, and they don't. They're they're not gonna have them. Deshaun Watson's probably going to go to a team, and I have no idea now, Randy. I honestly have no idea what team he's going to go to. It, yeah. it, it's really up in the air. And, you know, if, if I'm the Jets and I could trade the number two overall pick and some other stuff, I, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Just heartbeat. Get, get, give me Deshaun Watson at this point. I'd give them my first, this, all my first this year, my first next year. They want a couple twos. I'll do that too. Just give me Deshaun Watson and then the Jets are in business. I'll say this to wrap a bow on the Texas conversation. If it comes out that they did this to try to frame Deshaun Watson and they tried to make him look bad. So he was untradeable and that he would be forced to stay with them. 
no player is ever going to want to play for them ever again. They are totally, totally fucked as an organization if that it actually is the case. Because teams blackmail players all the time. Colin Kaepernick completely blackmailed out of the league for stuff like this. But if an organization did as much as this to try to take advantage of the society that we live in right now against the player, you think players are going to want to go and play for that team? Absolutely not. This, this front office will be completely gutted if, this is, if that's the case. I, the owner, uh, the McNairs, would have to sell. There's, there's no way yeah. they could stay because we don't know. I mean, Busby is a good friend of the McNair family. Yeah. So, I mean, this could very well be set up. And then Deshaun Watson, the legal litigation. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's their new owner. If the Texans <laughs> set this up, Deshaun Watson's going to own the Tex- the Houston Texans. The first player owner in NFL history. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, just a defamation and slander. That would be epic. Yeah, that would be something there. Uh, So I don't know what's going to happen here, but we're going to keep following this. I don't think the Sean Watson's going, the story's going away anytime soon. Um, All right, before we say goodbye, we want to do a quick segment here, Matt Bushnell, because your Bears, your (laughs) former Bears, I should say, um, not only signed Andy Dalton, they essentially promised him the starting quarterback position. Um, now this is an interesting thing because you wanted to talk about what does it mean when a general manager in the NFL makes a promise to a player, because the role of a general manager is personnel. They acquire players and then the coaching staff essentially has to decide who plays and how much and when and where and make it work. Um, there's this famous quote by Bill Parcells that says, how can I cook dinner if I don't buy the groceries, which is always why I'm a little bit of a supporter of the coaching staff having a say in the personnel decisions because they have a a system and they have all these ideas of how a player fits in that system. Basically, Ryan Pace said, all right, uh, Andy Dalton, I don't care what uh, Matt Nagy says. You're the starting quarterback 100% here. Uh, I don't care what Matt Nagy says. Uh, Andy Dalton's our guy. So, Matt, what does it mean to you when a general manager makes a promise to a player like that? Does it just completely override the coaching staff altogether? To me, it's so stupid, Randy, because, yeah, it, it puts the head coach in a terrible position. And, you know, my strongest point of evidence in this was in 2017 with John Fox, Ryan Pace signed Mike Glennon to three years, $45 million. And Mike Glennon was like, I was promised this year. This is my year. Four games into his year, it was like, Mike, see you later, buddy. Um, to, to me, it's a garbage promise because you don't know how the year is going to unfold. And n- no player should be promised anything in the NFL. Uh, I, I think we see it too many times because then that eliminates competition. You know, you, you draft a quarterback, okay. If, the, if, if you have a rookie quarterback that outperforms Andy Dalton, how are you telling that rookie corner, quarterback that you're not playing? And then how, how, how do you do other contract negotiations now? You know, how do you sit in a meeting and, you know, you got this borderline free agent and then you sign him because you promised him the starting job. And then guess what? He doesn't start. Are you ever going to get a free agent again for that? I mean, yeah. obviously you're going to have to pay through the nose next time. To me, it's such a terrible precedent. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. It's a lose-lose situation. Don't promise these guys anything. And if they didn't promise promise Andy Dalton that, and he came out and said that on his own volition, I'd cut his ass. Yeah. I'd be like, no, you're done. No, we don't do that around here. But the fact that they basically said, oh, whatever, okay, yeah, yeah, you can be the starter next year. It's just stupid. It's so stupid. 
this this sort of thing is easily avoidable by saying it in a different way by saying we're going to give you an opportunity to compete for the starting job (laughs) don't guarantee anything guarantees is how you get yourself in trouble the only thing you guarantee is the money in the contract don't guarantee playing time don't guarantee anything else because that's how you get yourself into the spot imagine if john schneider after signing matt flynn in 2011 (laughs) said Pete carroll Matt Flynn is our starting quarterback. doesn't matter what happens. And then Russell Wilson comes in and it becomes Russell Wilson and you still play Matt Flynn, how dumb that would have been. Like, this is what bad teams do. Yeah, it, it, it's a staple of bad teams. And like we talked about, Corey Davis came out today and said, I was told Sam Darnold's our starter for next year. Mm. Why the fuck do you do that? Right. Be like, look, th- th- these are some plans that we have. We don't know what direction we're going. We're still evaluating the process. You're telling me the Jets had oogles of money. Offer him as much money as he as he, it takes to get the guy. You know, look at the other contracts compared. Like, okay, well, you know, if you go get money, more money elsewhere, go get more money elsewhere. But to me, you're absolutely right. It puts the coach in a terrible position because now I have to play him. Who's making the decisions, the coach or the GM? Right. It's just such a dumb thing to do. This is why the Chiefs are the gold standard in the NFL when it comes to this. Because uh, what's their GM? Brett Beach, I believe. Brett Beach. Uh, yep. Brett Beach and Andy Reid are toe to toe on everything. They communicate and talk about every single transaction that happens on uh, on their in their organization, and that's how it should be. Uh, a GM obviously has final say in all roster decisions, but you need to be working with all other aspects of your front office. I mean, there are layers to front offices that we don't even understand, mm-hmm. from scouts to people who work finances to um, people who are president of player of. Uh, development i mean there are so many titles and names given to these people that we have no idea but the best gms and the best organizations work with all these people to determine how you can put the best possible product on the field and the chiefs have been that for the last five years andy reed and brett beach talk about every possible player out there who fits to their scheme who they want how they can make it work financially this is what the Bucks do as well. When Tom Brady became a free agent, uh, give credit to Jason Light because he, him and Bruce Arians obviously worked together and said, hey, we think Tom Brady is the missing piece for this franchise. And it worked out for them, obviously, in the be- biggest possible way because they won the freaking Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Largely, I think GMs are full of shit. Uh, I, unless you're a great one and you're one of these organizations that are there every year, like Bill Belichick, the GM, is not that good. I'm sorry. He's not a good uh, talent uh, uh, evaluator or uh, acquirer or anything. What he's good at is coaching these guys <laughs> and fitting them into his system. Uh, but ultimately, like that, if you have a coach like Bill Belichick, and this is what we'll go back to what the Parcells thing said, you have full control over your roster where you can make it all work. And that's, I, that's ideal. But if you have a GM, and I'm going to criticize the Giants GM here, I will never trust a GM ever again in my life. Because Dave Gettleman in 2018 repeatedly said these words, and I will go to my grave saying we did not sign him to trade him. They extended Odell Beckham Jr. for five years worth $80 million. And I said, perfect. We got our guy. He's a giant for the rest of his life. We didn't sign him to trade him. We didn't sign him to trade him. The motherfucker traded him. And I'll never trust a GM ever again. I don't care how great you are. That's my thoughts on general managers. The GM's job is to make the roster better right? Ideally, give the coaches the competition for these players to compete for positions so they earn these positions. 
when you put yourself in a box, it, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do me any good saying, oh, well, you know what? The White Sox have all these guys. Don't go sign anybody else because these guys are starting. Yeah, you're just giving them the position. And it's just like Andy Dalton. What is Andy Dalton in his career to earn a starting quarterback position without competing? To, to me, there's only three quarterbacks in the NFL that, should, that shouldn't be challenged for a starting quarterback position at this point. One is the guy in Tampa Bay with, was it now eight rings or seven? Seven, seven rings. Seven rings. That guy walks into a building. He's your starting quarterback. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes. He's done enough in his three years to say that dude's pretty good and he's pretty special. Yeah. He's starting. He doesn't need to compete for his starting position. Yeah. And then the other one, I, I you know, actually, I uh, two more. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. I, I yeah. think I think those two have established themselves. Right. But other than that, I love Deshaun Watson. But Deshaun Watson, you know, he's not starting over those four guys for me. He's going to earn the starting quarterback job. But yeah, I agree. He shouldn't have to compete for it ultimately. Yeah, and that's what you want. The great ones want to compete anyway. You know, they they just don't want to be handed it. Uh, I mean, Tom Brady would would take everything as a slight against them. So that's what kind of makes these guys great. Uh-huh. But. As a GM, you're just putting yourself in a hole. You make yourself look stupid. And then like what happened with you with OBJ, you know, what's the benefit of saying we didn't sign them to trade them? Okay, well, you know what? Shit happens in life. Sometimes it doesn't work out for whatever reason. So now people are going to use your words against you. So to me, just shut up. There's no need to it. No, No one was offering Andy Dalton $10 million. Andy Dalton didn't come to Chicago for the starting position. He came to Chicago because you're paying him $10 million and San Francisco didn't want to pay him $10 million. That's why he's in Chicago. Yeah. GMs talk, uh, talk a lot. And I don't love it. Uh, there are plenty of ways to avoid making guarantees or promises that uh, make you look bad in the long run. And the good ones you don't ever hear from like that. So <laughs> yeah, typically, you, you know, this is a trend with bad GMs. If you notice like the ones that are loud and obnoxious are the ones that you typically can use their words against them. Uh, but Matt, I think this is a good show here. I know we had a good conversation about free agents here and uh, a lot of potential transactions and then these awful GMs that run these uh, sports teams. Um, but, you know, we run these podcasts here under this life group umbrella and we have so many great things and then baseball season's coming up. So we have a show coming up right after this one. And then we have all these other shows coming up later in the week. Matt, why don't you tell us about them? Yes, we have the Total Basis podcast with Felipe and Sean coming up right after this one, uh, right, I believe, in the middle of the hour. I think they said they were going at the bottom of the hour. 8.30 or 9 o'clock Eastern, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think 8.30 Eastern. But um, they're coming on right after us. Great show. Great fantasy sports breakdown. This uh-huh. is actually their third show this week. They went Sunday. Uh-huh. They went Monday, which is last night. And they went today, breaking down. And there was a lot of controversy um, I did tune in to last night's show. They were criticizing my auto draft picks. <laughs> this is the downfall of being a parent, people. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. As a lot of parents know, one of my kids got hurt and I had to be a father as opposed to a fantasy baseball GM. So Unacceptable. I How dare you? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't promise Patrick Corbin a starting position, so the computer did it for me. <laughs> and for some odd reason, they drafted four catchers. 
But with that being said, Sean and Felipe do a great job breaking down all sorts of fantasy baseball stuff, even relevant baseball topics along with it, like what these guys may do. I find it very interesting. Great show. Um, Wednesdays are open now. And for those of you who don't know yet, um, Leon Tompkins and Jacob Anthony Moses moved from Wednesday to Friday. So they'll be on Friday nights breaking down all basketball-related items in the Step Back podcast. I love it. Um, they had one of our fellow Football Life admins on not too long ago, Lucas Albert, who suffered a tremendous loss in the NCAA brackets. A lot of people did, predicting Illinois to go all the way to the Final Four. But you know what? Illinois is nothing without Chicago. Let that be they lost. They lost to Chicago, so it's appropriate. It, it is. Chicago <clears throat> carries that state. And then Thursdays, we have the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with Jason Brooks and Corey Richmond. It's WrestleMania season right around the corner, Randy. Are you hyped? Are you ready? I have apparently they have the extra crispy Bray Wyatt competing mm-hmm. from what mm-hmm. I've heard. Uh, but AEW making a lot of noise with the overweight Chris Jericho being outsmarted mm. by the slimy, grimy MJF. So all good stuff for wrestling. Corey and Jason do a great job breaking it down. Love those guys. And then, of course, on Monday evenings, we have Dong City and their baseball show. I believe they also go not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday as well. They're doing two shows next week. I thought they were going this Wednesday to speed up divisions in uh, our in our podcast uh, update. That's what they said. But they didn't specify this Wednesday or next Wednesday. So just be on the lookout for another show as they do what their division previews. They're going to be going on one of these Wednesdays to try to speed up that process. If Henry or Vince are in the comments, please clarify for us so we don't get that wrong so we can properly teach your show. But Matt, uh, great job there pre- uh, previewing all of our shows. I, you know, I listen to all of our shows and nobody previews or teases the rest of the shows like we do. So, you know, I feel like we should be getting some residuals or some some checks here to help them out. You know, hey, you know, we're giving them love. Why don't we get it in return here? I know that we go longer than most shows, but hey, football is king. I don't care if it's March. It's football, baby. You know what? Everyone wants to go for the crown until they actually have to wear it. <laughs> you know, Randy, we do such a good job wearing the crown. It's just not easy to do. And you know what? They're not award winning. They're not Grammy winning. True. They're not Oscar or Emmy or any of these awards. <laughs> you know, they don't talk about the MVP. Like who else talks about the MVP like we do? The Nickelodeon valuable player, Mitch Trubisky, damn it. Well, maybe baseball should start to expand their viewership uh, by going on kids' networks, and then maybe more people will care about baseball. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Vince and Henry carry us as far as that. They're our flagship show. Uh, they get more viewers than any of us, so good for them, and we love that show. Love all those guys. Um, and, yeah, March Madness, uh, two of my three brackets completely busted on the first weekend, so that's going really well for me. Uh, thanks, Illinois and Ohio State. Just going to completely eliminate the Midwest from my life completely. Oh, it's okay. I'm not that mad about it. Anyway, uh, we're back to our regular weekly schedule, Matt. We're going to start our draft talk next week. A whole, like I said, a whole month long of draft talk. It is an exciting time for football, and we're going to do our best to give you a complete coverage and all you can expect. And maybe we'll get three picks right on our mock drafts this year, like we did last year. So we'll see about that. Well, and we are watch out for the polls because we're going to do a poll each day leading up to the draft. We're going to have someone like the Jets who they're going to pick, and we're going to do the football life poll mock draft so whoever wins the poll that day for the number one pick will review it 
on our last show before the draft, and then we'll go with our own mock draft as well. Yeah, so uh, stay tuned for that and obviously contribute to the groups. And if you're interested in coming on and talking draft with us, feel free to do so. You know, we'd love to have you guys on. And we're not big college football guys necessarily, but we know enough when we do our research. But we'd love to have a real true blue college football guy on if you're interested. So reach out if you are, and we'd love to love to talk to you about it. So, uh, Matt, you know, we're an hour and 20 minutes in here. I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Don't. I, you know what? You don't have to live with a football team that doesn't love you. 1-800-GET-HELP. Get out of that relationship. Better yourself. Uh, I've used this term before, but in the marriage world, they believe they call that a trial separation. So welcome to the club, uh, Matt Bushnell. All right. On behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond saying thank you so much for all the support on Facebook Live, on YouTube, all the audio only platforms. Thank you wherever you are, wherever you may be listening. Thank you for making us a part of your day. I'm Randy Hammond saying goodbye. See you guys next Tuesday.